need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hello, warriors. Today, we are talking about deconstructing Karen. So where did the term Karen come from? The Karen term originated on Reddit. In 2017, when a user ranted about his ex-wife, Karen, and all the things she was doing that annoyed him, it became a subreddit and grew in popularity as a meme to make fun of women acting aggressively petty. It has grown in popularity and is now known also as a label for a white woman who is racist. Now in this provocative documentary, Deconstructing Karen, white women experience Radical honesty about racism, their daily role in upholding it, their conditioning to ignore it, and the essential part they play in tearing down the systems that are killing Black and brown people every single day. Two of my guests today are not only the subject of this documentary, but are also known as the New York Times bestselling authors of the book, White Women, Everything You Already Know About Your Own Racism and How to Do Better. This episode is a candid conversation about our inherent racism and where we are in America today. I invite you to listen with an open mind, an open heart, and a sense of humor. Yes, I said sense of humor as you discover how you can stop being nice at the expense of your own racism. I want you to know this is an important episode because I am also learning about my own racism. And yes, I am a racist. I am a white woman who is racist. And I'm learning how to unring all of the things I have learned over the years. So tune in, join me. Let's get into it. All right, Carrie Murray is back with the Bra Network. Carrie, I heard you have some news for us. Last time you came on and you t- we talked about the Bra Network, this time you're expanding? What's going on? Huge, exciting news. We're growing, we're getting bigger. We have new members coming in from all over the country. So now we're getting back to having in-person events and they're coming to a city near you. We've got them in Houston, Austin, Boston, Portland, Ventura, Orange County, San Diego. We're coming for you. Oh my God, that's so exciting. So you can live anywhere. I love this. So Carrie, what do you think it is about Bra Network that makes it so special? Well, why don't I ask you? 
You've been a huge cheerleader for me, a huge champion for the women of this network. What do you like about Bra Network? Oh my gosh, Carrie. Well, if I mean, put me on the spot, why don't you? But I will say that I love the collaborative nature of everything Bra stands for. Whether we're hiring each other, whether we're going to events together, we're referring clients to each other. It's just a good feeling to collaborate and be in the space with some dynamic women. We can learn about money. We can learn about business. We can learn about LinkedIn, but we also can learn about spirituality or we can learn about self-care. So you really have something for everyone. I think it's really one of the best networking groups out there, which is why, you know, I'm your biggest fan. Why? Thank you. (laughs) So everybody needs to join the bra network. Join now because the prices are increasing and it's coming to a city near you. So let's go. Warrior two. Where do they go, Carrie? How do they join? Good question. Bra-network.com and use that code warrior two for 20% off. All right, everybody, today on the show, I have the pleasure of having three fabulous women on the podcast, and one who was an original guest. Born in Chicago in 1950, Regina Jackson remembers an America where everything was in black and white. Burned into her memory are the beatings, the horrific treatment of civil rights workers throughout the South, and Goodman and Cheney and Schwimmer murders, the murder of Viola Luizzo, the murder of Martin Luther King Jr., and the murders of President John Kennedy and his brother Robert. The violence perpetrated on innocent people going about their lives by white people. It's these memories that drive Regina to push for the real change in America, which is why she co-founded Race to Dinner. I also have Syra Rowe. She grew up in Richmond, Virginia, the daughter of Indian immigrants. For 40 years, she wasted her precious time aspiring to be white and accepted by dominant white society, a futile task for anyone who's born without white skin. Several years ago, Syra began the painful process of dismantling her own internalized oppression. Syra is a lawyer by training, a former congressional candidate, and a published novelist, best-selling, I want to also say author, both of you, and an entrepreneur. As the founders of Race to Dinner, an organization which facilitates conversations between white women about racism and white supremacy, Regina and Syra have noticed white women's tendency to maintain a veneer of niceness and strive for perfection, even at the expense of anti-racism work. Also joining us, one of my first guests, Patty Ivins. Patty is an Emmy Award-winning producer, director, writer. Her documentaries about womanhood and equality led her to directing and producing Deconstructing Karen. Patty believes in anti-racist work and continues to deconstruct her own inner Karen and to walk in Regina Jackson's wisdom to have the courage to, quote, call it a thing. Welcome to the show, Triple Threat, Patty, Regina, and Syra. Hello. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. I was just saying that I was trying to have you on for the last year. I was like, when's a good time to have you on? But now you have a New York Times bestselling book, so I'm like, well, can I have them now, Pat? And she was like, best time ever. <laughs> best time ever. So thank you for joining me. I think it's important to let everybody know how you three kind of came together. So Syrah, can I start with you? How you and Regina came together and then how Patty got on board. I ran for Congress in 2018. Regina worked on my campaign. So that's how we met. And incidentally, we lived like a mile away from each other. So it was great. We became fast friends. And I will let Regina tell you how, you know, the race to dinner thing happened. Well, as Syra ran for Congress, her whole platform was anti-racism. So whenever she spoke, white women would line up because they wanted to talk to Syra. 
And what they all wanted to say is, not me. I'm not racist. I'm the exception. Just me. So, yeah. I'm the only one. <laughs> so that went on for a while. And finally, a former friend of mine says to me, I'm done with Syrah. She hates white people. But if you can get her to go to lunch with me. So I go to Syrah and I said, so-and-so wants to go to lunch. Syrah says, I'm not doing that anymore. But if she wants to host a dinner and invite her white women friends and you do it with me, I'll do that. Thus was born Race to Dinner. And by the way, the straw that broke that Karen's back was <laughs> I said that Beto O'Rourke was a white savior. and. I gave him money for his campaign. And if I lived in Texas, I would vote for him because multiple things can be and are true. So that's what sent her into a tizzy. And that first dinner that Regina and I did really was like full, you know, white woman Broadway musical, like crying, shaking, angry, you know, her friend, her former friend, you know, doing laps around the table. And so this brings us to Patty. When I posted about it on Facebook, Patty, who I had met through a former white friend of mine. There's a lot of formers. Seeing <laughs> the word in this, white. In this work, Trailing dead bodies, but that's formers. okay. There's a lot of, but Patty reached out to me over direct message and said, I would love to talk to you about, you know, doing a film. And then I'll let Patty take it from here. Yeah. And that had been you know, in January, I want to say of 2019, I mean, they had done one dinner posted about it. And it was like, I had been following Cyrus work, her congressional campaign. I mean, it was so devastating to watch this unfold, which is a story for another time. But ultimately, when they launched this idea of having dinners with white women, it was such a natural fit for a documentary. And so, you know, we were filming by March. And frankly, it was like off to the races. Yeah, And now it's, you know, we premiered at Hot Docs pretty much three years-ish from when we launched a production, which is really amazing for an independent film. I'm so proud of us. We did it. It's incredible. I'm so proud of you, Patty. Especially because Regina and I remember distinctly, we're standing in my office in Denver and, and we're like, this white lady's never going to do this. <laughs> and, yeah, and, we had and, a good cackle. And, and if she does, it's going to be terrible. And she did it and it's wonderful. So it's wonderful. surprise in us. I, you know, I am a creative person who can really get locked in my head. So I, you know, and we had COVID. So it was already such an isolating time. So I was making the movie with a handful of people, really integral people. And I finally one day was like, okay, I got to show it to them. Like it's time. Like I've, I'm just alone in my house making, like, what am I doing? And so I was like, okay, I'm hitting send to send it to Regina and Syrah. And I'll never get this. Syrah called me. She's like, oh my God, you made a good movie. She's like, not only did I not think you were going to do it. I didn't think it'd be good if you actually did do it. <laughs> I'll I never love it. That. I love it. Well, it is good. I've seen it. And <laughs> first time I watched it, I said to Patty, I said, holy shit. It's like you lit the fucking world on fire. Like I can't <laughs> even handle this. Like just different women, their reactions. I was literally like glued my face. I was like, what is she going to say? Like, I, it just is so amazing. But I'm fascinated by what you just said, actually, Regina and Sarah, because you were talking about how because we're going to talk about race to dinner because I want people to really understand what the premise is, like what it really, what it really, really looks like. But it's interesting that white women are so fucking drawn to you. Like, this is interesting to me because you're over here <laughs> telling them the truth 
But at the same time, and you're telling them you are racist, like this is real. <laughs> and then at the same time, they're so magnetically drawn to you, which is so strange to me. So one little shift, I would say for you, Liz, now okay, we're having a little race to dinner. Uh, let's start it's here. Not, it's not they and them. It's you and yeah. us. So okay. the question is, why, why have you wanted to talk to us for a year? What may, what draws you to us? I guess that's a question for you. That's actually a fucking interesting question. I'm so glad you just that. <laughs> I think it's because I am really curious about my racism because I am one of those people who thinks I am not. I'm over here like, no, not me, guys. Come on. I mean, I have learned a lot that I, of course I am. Like, how could I not be? The structures that are in place, I would be impossible for me not to be. But that's something I've really had to like look at and delve into and read about and watch things and learn. And so I guess I'm still curious. I'm still like, wow, like this is really a thing. Like people don't even see it. They don't understand. It's in the ether. It's in the air. And we just drink it all day. So we just don't even know it's there. And I think that's what's so fascinating about your work is that, you know, you're in people's face and saying, this is happening. You are a racist. You are white. You are racist. Hello. And people are like, what? And people are ever so shocked, but because it's in the air, it's in the it air, it's the, in the air. water, it, it's everything. As Cyrus says, it is the air, it is the water. And I think probably three weeks ago, three weeks ago, it just dawned on me that white women are ready to do this work. That's what just hit me. Up until then, I would go, yeah, fine, whatever. But I think it's just really, you know, they're ready to do the work. Well, I think so, too. And I think, you know, confronting it (laughs) is the first step, obviously, and making it patently obvious, which is what you're doing. (laughs) You're making like, here you go. Here's deconstructing caring. Here you go in your face. This is what it is. Right. So everybody's real, real clear because there's a lot of white liberal women like myself who would say you're crazy? I am not. No way. Not me. Right. There's lots and, of people who say those things. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. And just to further to what Regina said, I think there are a few things because I've really, and we're talking to a crew of black and brown women tomorrow who want to, we're going to kind of walk through how we do this so they could do it in their own communities, not as a licensing model, but just kind of what we've done. And I've really been thinking a lot about what is it because clearly we're doing something interesting and provocative. You don't hit the New York Times bestseller list as non-celebrity people with zero media, but for essence in week one of a book. I think there are a couple things. I think number one, Regina and I not being of the same race. So Regina's black and I'm the model minority and a critical component of white supremacy is to pit black people, Asian people, Latino people, indigenous people. And so it is a radical act of what we're doing and what and the optics of that. So I think that's that is a foundational piece of it. This would be n- so different if it was two black women or two Indian women. Very different. I would say that's number one. I think number two, contrary to the myriad Nazi pe- pieces written about us, we are a safe space. Otherwise, people wouldn't keep coming back. You know, like we never publicly drag anyone. We never point anyone out. If you've read the book, you'll see we've changed the names of all the white women that we talk about because you're all the same. So it doesn't behoove us to ever pinpoint anything. And number three, but further to the safe space, a white woman I did a podcast with yesterday, In uh, I'm sorry, last week, she's in Boulder. I met her like nine years ago, right when I moved to Colorado. And she was like, like a full white feminist. And she said to me, this is when, you know, Regina had that realization three weeks ago. And you said that on our call with Penguin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think this is when, and we've done a ton of podcasts. We've talked to a lot of people. It was when she said, I saw the book cover and I felt angry. I started reading it and I felt angry. And I said to myself, Chantal, you've invited this woman onto your podcast. You have to read this book before she comes on. And she said it was about 40 pages in that I realized that this is not hate. This is a love letter. This is a love letter to humanity. This is filled with kindness and compassion. Said it's changed her life. She's carrying it everywhere with her. She's reading lines from it during the day. And she's now standing in front of the mirror every night saying, I'm a racist. I'm a racist. And how different it feels. That's number three. Number four, historical context. We are in a time period right now where we're looking at fascism in the face. That is, unless you really have buried yourself underground, we're looking at fascism in the face and history is a guide, which it always is. The vast majority of people go silent. People go right wing, right? There are people who are marching with the Nazis. Yeah. Then a bunch of people are becoming more silent. But what Regina hitting the nail on the head is there are a crew of white women, two of you right here, we're looking at two of you who understand this and understand your lives and your children's lives depend on you unfucking yourselves. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing you all saying we're going to actually put our feelings aside because our mm-hmm. feelings matter less than like, you know, marching wow. alongside with Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said before, no one's going to die. That's right. <laughs> or like, as- you're not going to die because you realize you are a racist. Like no one's dead. Like it's going to be okay. So tell me about Race to Dinner. Tell me about the kind of the premise of it. Why did you want to do this? I mean, you went into it a little bit, but I want to know more. Well, we wanted to be able to have honest, and one of the things, our whole number one value is radical honesty. And, you know, I've lived a long time, and I know that white people like to deny, including to themselves, that one, racism is this, two, that they're racist, (laughs) you know, just in total denial. So we are bound by radical honesty. Uh, We're not dealing with white lady tears. If you have to cry, you have to get up and go in another room and cry it out and you'll still live. We we don't think anybody's feelings ever are more important than someone else's pain and suffering. So we approach it like that. And we're very direct. We're very honest. We call a thing and there's no bullshit in anybody because I tell people, I know. You know, you may not know, but I know. Yeah. Yeah. And dinners are very strategic. We talked about this too. We didn't want it to be, uh, you know, over giving talks or keynotes or anything like that. Because the, you know, another foundational principle of white womanhood is no politics at the dinner table because it's rude, which really means you don't talk about anything that matters ever, right? Like that's the code for that. So we're subverting that. And if you can actually have... The white woman's scariest conversation on the planet, which is what happens at these dinners at a dinner table once, and it's always at their homes. So it's very familiar Mm -hmm. places. The next time you sit down for dinner, maybe you won't be so afraid of having a conversation about racism, sexism, transphobia, xenophobia, whatever it is. So that's number one. Number two, also white women, because they don't want to be impolite, won't stand up and leave the dinner table. 
So we've actually never had a woman march out because in, you can really? see it. Yeah, they're they captured. They can't because it'd be rude. White <laughs> women are talk like, about the niceness though. Talk <laughs> about the niceness, right? Like yeah. you could just be yeah. over there saying anything. We'd be like locked in the chair, scared out of our minds. <laughs> yes. And they're welcome to leave at any time. It's not like contrary to Fox News, we're not drugging them and flogging them and dragging them in and locking the door. Like they're totally free to go at any time and they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about why do we focus on white liberal women in particular? That was one thing that really struck me from deconstructing Karen is there was this one woman, like short brown hair, I can't remember her name. And she was in this gauzy top and she was like, you know, it's just about the love and the things and the trees and the (laughs) moon and the stars. And I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, this is going to be good. because like, you know, you already had the people on that were like, I have a black friend. I have a black son. I got a black boyfriend. So I'm not racist. Like everybody was, you know, it was all the people that you would think that would say I'm not racist, including the people who are just like sitting there shocked out of their minds because you were just basically like, and you too. And they weren't even saying anything because they were just like, oh, but when that woman started talking, I was like, oh no, oh no. Why do you focus on white liberal women in particular? Because white liberal women are the ones that think that they're not racist. They're the ones that think they're knowing, they know everything, they're doing everything. They parade out their civil rights resumes. They were, you know, so those are the women. Plus, we know that, you know, these Republican women, they're not going to show up. They're not going to sign up to do a dinner. And we don't want to deal with white dudes at all. No. We're not trying to die. No. And if they had wanted to change something, They'd have changed it by now. Yeah. They've had plenty of time. You know, it doesn't even make any sense. So like, you know, white liberal women, I mean, the two of you on this call, you know, you're white liberal women. Do you honestly think that Andrew Cuomo and Bill Clinton are not sexists? Of course. So how can your political party immunize you from being a racist? Can't immunize men from being sexist. So just a little bit of critical thinking goes a long way. And it's not that complicated. I mean, I'd look at Patty. What about you? Uh, you've been working with us now for a long time. How, how do you how do you think about it as the liberal white woman yourself? I mean, what I have loved about this work from day one, before it was even how am I going to transform this into a medium that I think is super digestible for most of the world, which I think the book is a very digestible book, but the movie, I think it, you could watch it on your phone, on your commute. You could literally watch it between meetings. You can, you know, you can watch it with your family. I mean, my hope is that people come together and they potluck and they're like, oh my God, I've done that. Oh my God, that's me. (laughs) They see themselves in these women because we are these women. And I think what I'm so moved by to this day about the work that Regina and Syrah do is that they actually care so much about the survival of humanity that they're willing to deal with us white women one at a time to help create. (laughs) Like, do we even understand how massive that is? Like, this doesn't make them a ton of money. This is actually just trying to have the world survive. So I think number one, there's that. And then number two, I think there's something so intimate about these conversations and we are so desensitized from this kind of intimacy in our society mm-hmm. by design. So really having connection with another human about one of the hardest things you can talk about in the world is powerful in and of itself. Yeah. So 
I mean, for me, I'm always amazed when people are so fragile around Siren Regina and this work, because I just didn't like step back from yourself and really how lucky you are to actually get to see the world from a different point of view. Willingly, like they're just giving it to you for free, basically. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's funny is you guys are, you're very strong. You're very opinionated. You're very in your face, but then you also, you have like a lot of love. Like this is, I think the point that people are missing, like you were saying before, like, it's not coming from a place of like, fuck everyone. It's coming from a place of like, guys, we can <laughs> I gotta do better. tell you the truth. I gotta tell you, I, I gotta tell you, this is what it is. Like, I, you know, you have a lot of love coming from you, even though like, it is hard for us to see ourselves this way. It's hard for me to think of myself that way, but I've now come to realize that is it, you know, but it is hard. It is hard to see ourselves that way. I would love to say this. I think Syrah and Regina's gift to white women and to all of our children and the you know, basically survival of this planet is this is an action plan, the book and the movie. That's an action plan about wake up. Like we as white women have been lulled into a false sense of security and we need to engage in this society. And that is on a lot of levels, like a lot of levels, start with racism, start with the hardest thing in the room. Let's start there. But by the way, guess what's coming next? Let's talk about the gun violence Because we're just sitting here and we send our children to school every day and know that they might get shot up and that they're being taught drills and these little rubber sliders that are put on the door to protect them. I mean, this is ludicrous. And there's been so much normalization of racism, of gun violence, and it's in every corner of our society. And we're just sitting here being like, what pumpkin recipe do I want to make for Thanksgiving? Like we are lulled by this society into a false sense of security. And this work is a loud call to action to wake up. And that's what I want to make a movie about. I I couldn't agree more. And I think the great thing about this call to action is I think the tendency is for white women to feel overwhelmed. Right. And so I'm just going to be overwhelmed and do nothing, do nothing. (laughs) Like, oh my God, maybe that is true and seen nothing. And I think, and I've heard that from women that I've talked to when I say, okay, now I just bought 10 copies of this book. I want you to buy 10 copies of this book too. I'm putting your book out there to everyone. Like, Hey, can you buy this book? They're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to buy this book and I want you to give it out. (laughs) So when I made that ask, you know, to kind of buy your book, to put it out there, like, let's get it out there. This is an action plan. This is actually something that everybody should read. This should, we, our kids need to read this, like all the things. And it was really, it It kind of got people like, oh, even my white liberal friends were a little bit like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you want them to do something. This is the easier way to go about it. Like, it's hard when you look at the whole fucking thing in the system and it's fucking roots in and it's so many fucking years and and shootings. I mean, all of it feels fucking overwhelming. But at least, hello, easy thing to do. Watch the movie, buy the book. Watch the movie, buy the book. Easy action plan right there. And that's minimal ask. And what I always say, you know, I don't have a choice but to be in this work because I have black children and black grandchildren. So it's not optional for me. Neither is it optional for Syra. You know, white women can sit there and decide, oh, as Syra loves to say, I'm so crazy busy. Well, guess what? So are we. Yeah. And that's what I want to say. There are a couple things. So the crux of all of this oppression staying in place, it depends on you all feeling overwhelmed. 
And the easiest way for you to say that is crazy busy. So a white woman's code for being over overwhelmed is crazy busy. So that's <sighs> it's all too much. So I can't do anything because I'm crazy busy. Another thing, nice. So I want to go back to nice. There is a critical difference between nice and kind. And if let's be clear about definitions, nice is being silent in the face of oppression. Kindness is having compassion for yourself and for others and for humanity. And under those real definitions, Regina and I are the not nicest people you'll ever meet and probably two of the kindest people you'll ever meet. And white women are by and large, the least kind people you'll ever meet and the nicest people you've ever met. And so, you know, all these nice, crazy, busy, the other one I like is it's complicated. It's just too complicated. No, it's actually really simple. Your feelings about having to do anything is complicated, but racism is very simple. And you all have constructed all this. You know, Liz, I think a big part of this is men are taught to be right. Like if, and so if you, if they're not right, they freak the fuck out. Women, white women are, are that you're good. You're so good. Yes. And this book, Truly, because the feedback has been so huge. What we've heard so much from black and brown women is this is going to force white women to have some humility. You all think that you are the cleverest, most unique individuals on the fucking planet. And the fact that we see you for what you are, which is frankly pretty fucking horrible and pathetic is really like, it feels like you're the emperor has no clothes. I think that's the, it's this feeling of being naked when you all depend on Regina. First of all, you all depend on each other being jealous of you. Like, look at me, look at my hair, look at you, Liz, look at you. You have great blonde hair. You've got fabulous glasses. Like hopefully people are going around the, you know, going around the day being jealous of you. And God, I mean, Regina and I absolutely genuflect at your white altar, right? The fact that we don't, and other black and brown women don't. And this book and this movie just reveal, oh my God, they're not jealous of us. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. I think there's a little bit of embarrassment, honestly. Like, well, oh my God, yeah. I'm going through my life thinking this one thing. But imagine, you know, my son, these guys know, I'm going back to a school tomorrow. He's been at the school for two months. He has been punched. He's been racially assaulted. He's been mocked and mimicked for mocked for not take, doing the Pledge of Allegiance and was told last week to go back to his country. So what choice? Like, we don't have a choice. And you all are concerned about your daughters not getting invited to the right slumber party or sleepover. Like, that's the difference. And it's it's embarrassing for, I, I don't know. There's a lot of emotions. Oh, I'm looking for the perfect hat. Everybody's looking for that perfect big dumb hat. That's what I, that's what, that's all I see. These big dumb hats everywhere. Um, No, that's a good fucking point. You know, it, it is not option. It shouldn't be optional for us either, but it is because it's in the air and the water and we can just swim in it and just swim around with no problem. Until you die. Until you die with ever, uh, there, until but, there's a mass thing at your mall. But yeah. here's what I always like. But who are the most people we'll accept today that are doing these mass shootings? Who are they? How would you identify them? White, oh white male. Who are the kids that are being shot up in their classroom? White, white kids. So, you know, for white women to be passive about this just blows my mind. I would be calling somebody. Yep. Every, I mean, I would make such a pest out of myself yep. that, you know, and you've got to do that. What's more, what's you know, and we love to say in this country how much our children, we love our children, but yet we sit back and do nothing. Every time there's a mass shooting, 
People go out and buy more guns and gun manufacturers make more money. And we're okay with that. We're yeah. okay with that. Out of fear of black and brown people. That's what they're buying. <laughs> By the way, I do want to show you. I still am a white woman. It's tough to like, I still have a struggle. I realize it's tough to shake it. Yeah. Even you. I saw signs. I saw signs. Tell me, how has deconstructing Karen been received? I'm curious about this. I also wondered, Patty, if you could tell me a little bit about the white women at this dinner or Sarah or Regina, what has happened to these women since? Because I'm curious, you know, you're part of a documentary like that. And maybe it seems like a real good idea until you see yourself in the documentary. And then you're probably like, holy shit, what did I just do? Even if you had a revelation in the moment, like I am racist, this was true. Oh my God, it's true about me. But then you go home and your husband's like, what the fuck? And then you're like, oh no, no, just kidding. No, that didn't happen. No, 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 no. So I'm wondering how is it being received this movie and what happened to these white women after deconstructing Karen? I think Patty, that's for you. So first of all, we'll say this, the movie comes out Thanksgiving day. So the truth is most of the world hasn't actually seen the movie yet. The, the entire movie is available on iTunes and Vimeo on Thanksgiving Day. Watch it with your family. Do something different instead of football. It's going to be great. The second thing is, you know, how did the white women react? Oh, well, let me say this one more thing about the movie. So there was a viral clip that went on. You know, we premiered in Canada, the Canada's version of PBS. It's called CBC. It's a very reputable, prestigious documentary strand called Passionate Eye. And Canada's gone bananas for the movie and for Siren Regina's work. The movie, they, I mean, they posted something on their Facebook. It had like a million and a half views within like a week. We get messages every single day from white women in Canada and frankly, from black and brown women as well, thanking us. So we've already had this beta test experience of knowing how radical and how radically transformative the project is for people in Canada. So we get that little glimmer. Now the rest of the world gets to see it on uh, Thanksgiving Day. How did the white women respond? You know, I will say everyone left that night with big smiles. Thank you. This was great. We really, like lots of gratitude that night. No one left the table. Everyone left with smiles. A year later, when I reached out to people to participate in the movie, and you'll see this at the end of the film, some unexpected people chose not to participate. Now, a year later, George Floyd had been publicly murdered for the entire world to see. And we started having more mainstream conversations about white people's everyday racism. So I think we captured a moment in time when Frankly, I think people were more honest about their racism because I think we've seen a lot of performative action since 2020, or it was a hot moment where everyone was on board and then they moved on to the next shiny thing. So I think what's fabulous about this moment in time that you see in this movie is it's a very sincere time. And intentionally, when you see the film, there's a few moments where we leave cameras in the shots. And that is really a message to everyone watching. like. This is not a hidden camera show. This is not a hidden camera documentary. Not Jerry Springer. Everybody was asked, you know, to come and have a radically honest conversation about race in America. And because we've never done that as humans, no one knows what to expect, including us, right? Including us. So everyone left that dinner that night delighted for the experience, thanking Siren Regina. I think as time has passed, some people didn't want to participate in follow-ups. And that's probably the best answer I can give you about what happened. Yeah. And you know, Liz, think about how 
sad it is. Regina and I were talking about why is it that Fox News has dedicated like dedicated a five minute primetime piece on us just because Canada aired this movie last month? Five minute, 12 million eyeballs. And it's not because of Regina and I. We're like, you know, a nameless, faceless, black and brown mass in, in the Midwest. It's because of you two. And I think the true, because they've been dragging us on social media for years, you know, oh my God, CBC in Canada bought this movie and my God, Penguin bought this book and now it's a New York Times bestseller. Jesus, it's working. So what they're concerned about, so the right-wing press, you know, they drag us, the mainstream press just ghosts us. So you've got one Nazi at the table and 10 people sitting silently with the Nazi. You've got 11 Nazis at the table. What's the difference between Fox News and CNN and Washington Post? Nothing. Effectively, nothing. And the real concern is that if you two, Patty and Liz, and all of your people start choosing gender intersectional solidarity with the Reginas and the Cyrus of the world over your big hats and your whiteness, the entire thing, the charade of patriarchy and white supremacy goes poof. And that is what we are seeing. And that is what they are scared of. We have literally hit Voldemort. We have found the power center. Otherwise, what could be, what is scary about, literally a black, a no-name black woman, a no-name Indian woman in Denver. This is not London. This is not LA. This is in the middle of Colorado having dinners with white women. Why is that so scary? I think we have the answer. I think we do. Well, let's talk about the book. It is number, it's shot to number nine on the New York Times bestseller list in one damn week. And like you're saying, you guys are not the biggest names in the world. It's insane. It went literally to nine. So what is your call to action? What are we telling women when they're reading this book? What do you, what's the number one thing you want them to take away from reading this book? Cause I'm going to make everybody buy it. The link is going to be in the show notes, everybody. I want everyone to buy this book and see the movie. I think it's use your voice to stop your oppression and other people's oppression. Use your voice. Why are you standing there being silent? Why are you not saying something when someone is being harmed? Why are you not all up in arms when your kids are being shot up? First graders in their classroom, use your fucking voice. Yes. Yeah. I think that's it. And I think that for me, the bar is so low for white people, it's underground and it is racialize yourself. I think you have to racialize yourself. That's why this, okay. So by the way, this is the fact that this is a provocative title, white women, white women, because you're used to just being women. This is, and so as until and unless you racialize yourself, you can't even start the work. You cannot because you see yourself as the default and the rest of us are other. Stop using the words diverse. What are you diverse? Why are Regina and I diverse people? <laughs> You're not. You're just people. Diverse books, diverse characters. So, you know, my kid's Chinese friend, my kid's black friend. How about this? My kid's white friend, my my white neighbor, my white colleague. Once you start doing it, it becomes very hard to not. You know, and then once you get in the habit of doing that, you can actually start having a racial analysis and start speaking up. I think it's let's explain just in case what does racialize yourself mean? What you've been doing to us for our whole lives. I know, but let's explain it to the white people listening. <laughs> see yourself as, no, see a yourself white as a white person, right? Yes, yes. Versus seeing, I mean, 
as well as seeing myself as a black person and Syra as an Indian person. You are a white person, whether you like it or not. And that's the thing is by saying, you know, I hate when people say women and people of color. There are women of color. And so what you're saying is white women and people of color. So what people like what white people normally do is see this is there's we've got, you know, we've got two women, an Indian woman and a black woman. That happens all the time, you know? So um by racializing yourself, you're acknowledging where you you sit in the power structure. That's it. I mean, it's by saying you're a white woman, you're actually acknowledging your white power. And until and unless you acknowledge your white power, you're actually upholding it and weaponizing your white power. You become very dangerous. You're very dangerous when you don't racialize yourself. That's a great point. Let's go. Let's pivot for one second to reverse racism. This is something <laughs> not to laugh while I say this. This is a this is something that comes up in a lot of conversations I have with my white friends. They something will happen to their daughter or son, their white daughter or son, and they will say, and that's reverse racism. Like they shouldn't be saying that to him. That's reverse racism. I can't even remember what the things were that they said. And that always causes me to say. That doesn't there's exist. no such thing. No there such is thing. no such thing yeah. as racism. First of all, race, one of the biggest elements in race is power. Okay. So we have the power dynamics. And you know, I would say the majority of everything owned <laughs> around the world is owned by white people, right? And so when white people say there's reverse racism. What they're saying is, I am no longer the number one, so therefore I'm feeling oppressed, so therefore it's reverse racism. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, racism, you need to have uh, prejudice and power. So we can be prejudiced against white people all day long, but we can't be racist against white people because we don't have the power, just like there can be no reverse sexism. You, you, we can be, we can not like men for all that bullshit that they do, but we can never be sexist against men because we don't have, the four of us on this screen cannot be sexist against men because we don't have the power. It's the same thing. It's really, really intellectually dishonest, which is a euphemism for a lie. And the people who say it are lying and they know it. They know it. That's the thing. They know it. And I always say, I love Jane Elliott. And I actually attended one of her courses because she was at the Bell System. And she would say, okay, all you nice white people who would trade places with a black person in this society, please stand up. Now, when nobody stood up, she said, you must have not heard me. She said, so, you know, stop pretending like you don't know because you know. And this, and this applies this applies to Asians too. I mean, like I want to be clear that I don't ever throw stones at work <laughs> and it's not implicating myself. I acknowledge where I sit in the power structure. So I have non-black person of color privilege because I'm not black, right? So I have more power. So I can be racist against Regina because I have more power than Regina in the in the ecosystem. Just acknowledge it. You can be aware of it and you can start deconstructing it. But Asians have the same like fragility. When I bring this up, I've had Asian, South Asian men say to me, well, you might be anti-Black, but I'm not. And I'm like, really? That's just like, what? How does that work? So it's all of us. It's all of us just acknowledging what we already know. And the reason that's so scary is if you acknowledge it, then you have to do something about it. 
then you yep. actually have to do something about it. Yep. And I think that's the bottom line is that yep. calling a thing a thing, like Patty said that you said, Regina, earlier, calling a thing a thing, acknowledging it, know that it is real and taking action on it is what is required and it is not optional. And I think that is what, you know, why we don't do the work, right? I'm hoping yep. that, you know, you're going to hear this podcast today. You're going to say to yourself, okay, this is curious. I'm open to this. I will read this book. I will watch this movie and open my mind up to the fact that it could be that I am a person who ha is racist, that I am white and I am racist. Like, open your mind, just watch this movie. Because I think what's amazing about watching these women that are us, that are saying the things we say, is yes, it is embarrassing. Yes, it is sad. Yes, it makes us feel like shit when we first see it. But then it's like, yeah, that's me. Okay, <laughs> like, let's just get the fuck over it. Like, that is you. That is me, right? Like, we've all thought those thoughts. We've all said those things. So now that we know that, okay, great. Now what? Right? That's the moment we can actually build on, you know, just knowing that is the truth of it, right? So I think it's brilliant what you've done. I think this is a major fucking moment. And I love this tide. Like, I love the way this is all coming together in the most magical way. And I love the attention you guys are getting. And I'm just proud to be a part of the attention and give Thank you more. Thank I you. think there is one thing that we need to talk about. And that's the people who don't move into action. You know, what is stopping this? And I think the fear is two things. White solidarity. If I do this, other white people are going to be mad at me or I won't belong and white social standing. That's very important to the class of the women that we deal with. So yeah, they get in the way. Those things get in the way. Regina, I would also add one of the things I've heard people I care about deeply actually say out loud. And this is when you really know, we know if you acknowledge, if I acknowledge that I know this racism exists, what about my white son? Like then they know, they know that their white son, oh, you mean your white son's going to actually have to earn life on his own merit and not because he gets a pass because he's a handsome white kid. Like mm -hmm. really? But the truth yeah. is white mothers get, I think, extra fragile around their white sons. Like God forbid. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be a long time. <laughs> Those little ass wipes running around, <laughs> shooting up people and being entitled. I mean, they need to stop that. Yeah. Little ass wipes is my favorite. So, Liz, can we just make I a have little ass wipe right here in his butt? Yeah. Actually, his my son and his other little ass wipe friends are here in the house today. And let me say, you know why they're home today? Because there was a threat at their school. Uh uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's every day. So, Liz, here's our ask for your listeners, viewers yes. is buy five to 10 copies of this book, read it. Please, you will be pleasantly surprised. Read it and give a copy to your friends and ask them to also buy five to 10 copies and give them away and watch the movie. Watch the movie. Watch it with your friends. Watch it with your family. Talk about it. Watch it with an open mind and open heart. I think you all will be so pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think this movie, I think once I'm so excited that this is going to be out on Thanksgiving, because I'm thinking about right now playing this movie with, you know, the grandparents in the room and the conversations that will be had after that. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's actually. And don't be afraid to call a thing a thing. 
don't be afraid to call the thing a thing. I think it's going to really engender. And you know what? I think these kids are ready to have these conversations oh, yeah. much more than we are. are. I think these kids are. are ready. I think these they kids are. are ready for these conversations. So I think, you know, rather yeah. than worrying about what someone's going to say or do, just letting it be, putting it out there and let the conversation happen. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Maybe. Okay. Nobody dies. You know, like, so I think it's great. I think it's great. And I think it's important to like, let these kids ask those questions, let them see what this is and let them talk, let them see what they see. You know, I think this is really could be an an amazing Thanksgiving moment, Patty. Yes, I decided. This Thanksgiving deconstruct your inner Karen. That's it. That's it. There you go. That was the perfect perfect one lighter right now. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. This was, this is really a great conversation. I think, you know, you got the work you guys are doing is so incredible, but I'm just, I am really thrilled at the, how people are receiving you. I really, really am. And I think, you know, the whole buy 10 copies. I mean, I bought my 10, I'm, I'm giving them out. Uh, I may have to buy another 10 uh, because I feel, I really do feel like this is a moment and let's, let's, Let's move from here. Let's let's take action. Yes. Let's not just let's. see the movie and then just keep moving. Let's yes. see the movie. Let's buy the book. Let's read the book. Let's talk let's about Let's overthrow the patriarchy. Let's yeah. overthrow the patriarchy. <laughs> God almighty, please. So, yes. So, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. And thank you everyone for joining the show. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star written review. This is Liz Swadek with the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.